Hey, welcome back to the Addicted to Healthy podcast, your one-stop destination for all things health and a kick-ass life. I'm Laurence, certified nutritional practitioner and health coach and the host of the Addicted to Healthy podcast. Today, I have Richard Jacobs on the podcast. He's an entrepreneur, podcast host, and inventor of America's first custom-tailored pillow. As someone who had struggled with sleep, Richard sought relief for years with no success. Richard understands firsthand how sleep deprivation can be a way at you and your health and how it can drain every moment of your work and family life. So once he realized how serious this problem is, he decided to create the solution to this problem that he shares with 150 million people in the U.S. After lengthy research, Richard was inspired to ignite the Good Night Sleep Project, a movement to design the perfect pillow. And he quickly discovered that one size does not fit all. So he teamed up with professional tailors from all over the world to perfect a system of measuring and tailoring custom pillows to end sleepless nights for good. So today our conversation is going to revolve around sleep, of course. What is the impact of lack of sleep? What does a quality sleep look like? Um, what does that really mean to you? And how can we really help to optimize our sleep? And of course, we'll talk about his pillow, which is uh, very unique in terms of it's personalized to you to actually help you sleep better. So we're gonna talk a little bit more about that. So super excited to jump into all things sleep today with Richard Jacobs. Welcome, Richard, onto the podcast. I am so happy to have you here today to talk all about sleep. Yeah, thank you. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit and tell our listeners why you got into this topic specifically around sleep and what your story is. Yeah, so, you know, I think I'm like a lot of people when I was younger and had no, you know, health problems. You think, ah, I'll live forever and I'll worry about it when I'm older. And then probably about three years ago now, I got into a car accident. I got run off the highway late at night and I uh, got a concussion and all that. And at the hospital, the doctor says, oh, you have uh, nodules in your thyroid. So, uh, okay, what does that mean? So I ended up going to the doctor and I found out I had thyroid cancer, you know, which obviously like melts your face off when you hear that. And um, then I was very interested in health all of a sudden, you know, surprise, surprise. Um, luckily everything went well with that and I think everything's good. It's been a few years now and everything seems to be fine. But I started again thinking about health a lot more and you know, all of a sudden you realize like, hey, you're mortal, all that stuff. And one thing that had been plaguing me as as I was trying to improve my health is sleep. I've had sleep problems for, you know, probably twenty years. You know, I go to bed very late. I go to bed like three or four in the morning, which horrifies people. <laughs> get up, you know, like like eleven or noon. So I'm getting, you know, I'm in the bed for eight hours, but the timing is crazy to a lot of people. And my dad's done this for like, you know, as long as I've known him. And I guess I just picked up on it. I've been doing it, but, you know, I'd wake up and I'd feel okay. or I'd feel a bit tired and just not optimal. And uh, as I changed my diet and improved my health, I saw, all right, well, sleep too. I need to work on that. So that's like the first half of the background. Um, and then it kind of came to a head because you know, I woke up one morning and I'm talking to my wife and the pillow I was using was really smushy. And I said, you know, I hate this freaking pillow. She said, oh, I'll take your pillow. Let me try it. And I said, you've, you've had like 10 pillows this past year. What do you want mine for? And she said, well, maybe it'll work. You know, none of the pillows I had were good either. So I, I said to her, you know, someone should invent a, like a custom tailored pillow that 
is made for your specifications. If you have like a, you know, a big head or wide shoulders or whatever, someone should make a custom pillow so you can sleep properly. And she says, well, you're always thinking of ideas. Why don't you go do that? So I said, all right, I will. And that's kind of how it started. Okay. <laughs> I can't wait to get into this. But um, first, I kind of want to know, so with the thyroid cancer, did you, like, what kind of treatment did you go into? Did you change, like, a lot of your lifestyle habits and nutrition, or was it more of, like, conventional route? What kind of route did you take with that? Well, I did have conventional stuff done. So I had surgery. They took out my thyroid, and I had some lymph nodes that had to be taken out. So I had what's called a radical neck dissection. So mm -hmm. I have like a, probably like a 10 inch cut that goes from like right below my ear all the way to the center of my throat. So I used to joke when I first had it that I was in a very cutthroat business and people would be horrified. You know? <laughs> but when you're, when, when that happens to you, you can make the jokes. It's okay. What are they going to say? You know? Yeah, 100%. So I, right. So I had that and then I had, um, you know, radioactive iodine because luckily uh, thyroid cells use iodine to do what they do. So they give you, in certain cases, radioactive iodine that goes into only, supposedly, any renegade thyroid cells that are still in your body and kills them. So I had those two therapies, and that seemed to do the trick. I've had scans since, and everything looks good. But the major thing I did is I started researching health like crazy, and I ran across some podcasts by like Tim Ferriss and Dominic D'Agostino, and they talked about the ketogenic diet and how that is supposed to starve cancer cells of glucose that they need. So I pretty much, as soon as I got the diagnosis, I went keto, and which was great. I lost like probably 40 pounds, felt a lot better. Um, and when I got my scans done, I had them done a couple times. So even before my surgery, um, the surgeon was very surprised because she said some of the masses they'd seen had shrunk a lot. And she said that never happens. And I think I'm pretty sure it's because of the, uh, you know, I changed my diet and all that. I went way low carb, you know, very, very little sugar. And I credit that definitely with making a huge impact and perhaps even saving my life. So those were the big changes. And obviously sleep has had a big impact on you. Did you find, like, do you still sleep at like 3 or 4 a.m.? Or have you, have you changed that at all? Um, I dial it back. I, you know, when I go on vacation, it's funny. I go to sleep early and I get up early and, you know, I, I remember talking to my wife and she's like, yeah, I don't want to say anything, you know, but when I'm on vacation, for some reason, timing doesn't matter. And then I get back and I slowly fall back into my old ways, but my sleep quality is a lot better because I've done a lot of tweaks to improve it. Like, uh, you know, I'll take melatonin if I need, I've got blackout curtains in the room. I have a white noise machine, you know, a fan and all that. I have a humidifier. I got a better mattress. You know, I, made a pillow, which, again, you know, I'll talk about it at some point, um, diet, health, exercise. I mean, all these things added in, and I really studied sleep a lot. I've, I've interviewed probably 115 sleep specialists myself. Um, I've done a lot of research and look into it to figure out what's going on. And so all those things together really have improved my sleep a lot. So I sleep a lot better, but I still sleep at these crazy times. And so I think a lot of people, especially who are, you know, entrepreneurs or in the corporate world, there's this kind of saying like, oh, you can just sleep when you're dead, like ain't got time for sleep and all of that. But how does sleep deprivation affect us physically and mentally? Well, before I answer that, like, think about it. Okay. So, you know, entrepreneurs and, you know, a lot of people want to optimize their health, right? So they spend all their waking hours eating right, 
exercising, meditating, mindfulness, etc. Right? But you're ignoring a third of your entire existence, sleep, which is foolish. If you really want to be optimized, you need to optimize everything. You can't just pick, oh, I'll uh, optimize my stuff when I'm awake, and then I'll starve myself of sleep, and I'll be fine. It doesn't work like that, you know. There's a reason why all creatures need sleep, or you will die, literally. There's been experiments that show after, you know, 10, 11 days, you will die with no sleep. So sleep is absolutely critical. And to say that you'll sleep when you're dead is, is stupid because it'll make you die sooner. Mm-hmm. And sleep has been linked with many scientific studies to people gaining weight and not being able to lose it, diabetes, heart problems, high blood pressure, stroke, I mean, cancer. Uh, these are all scientific studies that can be found in the literature. It's not just stuff that is anecdotal. So sleep is absolutely critical. And if you don't sleep well, you're really like undoing or uh, handcuffing yourself from getting optimal health. And not, not even optimal health, like good health. If you don't sleep, everyone knows that, that's listening. If you don't sleep well, how do you feel? You feel like shit. You're short with your family or your friends or people at work. You can't think as well. You're slugging down coffees all day or energy drinks. Uh, you know, you just your whole day sucks. So sleep is like, it's critical. Yeah, and it's interesting because I think a lot of people also think like, oh, it really becomes damaging if you do all-nighters like, I don't know, every other day or something like that. But I've also looked into the uh, studies on sleep. It's quite fascinating that even one night of poor sleep, I think it was under six hours, like between four to six hours, um, you actually increase things like insulin resistance and all those kinds of things. So it's not just about like once in a while just having like a one-nighter. Like obviously we can't always be having optimal sleep, but it's really about consistency, right? Yeah, if you have to, if something's going on, there's nothing else you can do and you have to stay up all night, God forbid, or if you only sleep four hours, everyone has that happen. But you don't want it to happen regularly. And you you certainly don't want it to happen every week. And, you know, staying up all night is like, I mean, to me, that's way, way on the really horrible end of the spectrum. There are, there are millions and millions and millions of people that sleep like six hours a night. And that's even incredibly damaging to you. You really need to sleep like seven to nine hours, depending on who you are. There's this myth like, oh, I'm one of those people that only sleeps four hours a night. Like, you know, they're out there and they have a genetic abnormality, but they're like 0.1% of the population. Chances are it's not you. So you know, you can get by for years on five, six hours of sleep a night, but you're really like building up a bank of problems that's going to, that's going to cause you like, again, a lot of problems all of a sudden when you're 30, 40, 50, whatever it is, you don't want that to happen to you. Then you're in trouble. And what do you think is the reason why, because obviously it's becoming a problem, like chronic disease is going up, obviously for different reasons, like nutrition and lifestyle, probably the biggest factors, and obviously sleep is one of them. So why do you think, in your opinion, so many of us are sleep deprived nowadays? What is sleep impacted by? Well, a lot of it's not, a lot of it's not obvious. I mean, I, I talk to a lot of people about sleep, obviously, and a lot of them go, oh, I sleep pretty well. But then I talk to them more and they go, oh, yeah, but I, get, I wake up with a headache every day or I have to have coffee immediately. Or, yeah, it takes me like a couple hours to fall asleep. Or, you know, my lower back hurts. Or, like, you know, when you sleep, you're not aware. Just like if you snore. And I've snored for a long time. It's gotten a lot better, but I still do a bit. I'll wake up, my kids will say, Dad, you were snoring. I have no clue I snored because I was asleep. 
So the whole process of sleeping, you're not aware of what's going on. So unless you sit there and think about it, what happened and how do I feel? And you keep kind of like a sleep diary. You know, how do you feel every day when you wake up? How long were you in bed? You know, et cetera. You're just not aware of what's going on. And I understand because you're asleep. But just when you have a dream, you know, you wake up within 10, 15 minutes, the dream's gone. You forgot about it. Same thing with sleep. Like the whole time you're asleep, it's weird, but you're just not cognizant. So in order to solve your sleep problems, you have to start thinking about what's going on with your sleep. You may not, you may think, wait a minute, you know what? I, I wake up like five, six times a night now that I think about it. It's only for a couple minutes, but I forgot that I do that, you know? Or I have to get up and pee three times. And, you know, now that I think about it, I never used to do that. I used to just go to sleep and wake up and the night was over. So these things are subtle sometimes, but they, they have a big effect. And so in your opinion, what would be like some of the biggest obstacles that are preventing people from having quality sleep? So specifically like things in their environment or maybe things they're doing, what do you see like the biggest obstacles to that? Yeah, oh, I, I, I really didn't answer your previous question. So some of the biggest things that affect people are they snore and they don't know it, or they have sleep apnea, which means they literally stop breathing and they go, <laughs> and they start breathing again. You know, so I'll start with those two. So snoring or sleep apnea. Um, you may not know it's happening, but these things are horrible because 5, 10, 20, sometimes 50 times an hour, people are in a certain stage of sleep. They're either in REM or deep sleep, whatever. And when you snore, you're going <sighs> like that. You're, you're kind of wakening out of that stage. Or if you have apnea, even worse, you're wakening out of that stage. So you're not getting deep sleep you're not getting REM sleep it's fragmented it's it's again it's fragmented dozens or hundreds of times think about how bad that is if you're aroused you may not even be awake but you're aroused close to the point of wakefulness dozens or hundreds of times a night and this happens to a lot of people this is not like just a few people this is like 20 30 sometimes 40 percent of all people have some degree of this it's a lot as you get older so that like kills your sleep architecture. That's one thing you may not have any clue is going on, but it's you're waking up tired or no matter how much you sleep and you have no clue why, but that may be what's happening. So you may need a sleep study. Another thing that may be happening is you may have insomnia. You may lay there and it takes you an hour or two or three hours to fall asleep. Well, why? How do you fix that? So if you're laying down on the bed, you may think for some reason, oh, I'm, I'm in the bed for nine hours, but I still feel tired. Maybe you were only sleeping six of those hours because of insomnia or because of these other problems. So it, it's really something you need to like take a look at, you know, again, are you waking up two, three, four times a night and how long are you waking up for? Are you waking up 20 times a night? You know, is your mouth dry? I mean, there's, there's all these things that may be going on that, you know, you may feel it, you may not feel it, but all these things are disturbing that sleep. So you were saying that um, you, you usually go to bed pretty late and then sometimes you transition to earlier. Um, from what you've experienced and, you know, your research, does it matter when somebody goes to bed? Because we all say we should get sleep like seven to nine hours, but does it matter if somebody gets seven to nine hours like later, like maybe at 2 a.m. versus 10 p.m.? Is there a difference? Yeah, I've noticed that there is. And I, and I had to think about it for a while. So what I noticed with myself is, the first five, six hours I sleep, I sleep solid without waking up. And then the last two, three, four hours, I'll wake up 
you know, two, three, four, five, six times. It depends. And I realized, duh, I'm sleeping, even though the room's pretty dark, there still is a little bit of light. And that's enough somehow. And my body just knows from the cues I've had during the day that it's daytime, it's time to wake up. So my body is saying it should be time to wake up. I went to bed so late, I'm telling myself, no, you should be sleeping. That's why I'm waking up. You know, I may only wake up for a few seconds, but, I, you know, in thinking about it, I noticed it. And when I go on vacation, for instance, or if I actually go to sleep really early, which every once in a while something will happen, I will, then I usually sleep solidly throughout the whole night. So light, even if the room is like pitch black, your body clock still from the previous day, it gets these cues, it knows the timing approximately. So I don't sleep as well as I could. This is my last hurdle that I need to really overcome. And if at all possible, what people really should do is they should look at when's the sun go down and when's the sun come up and try to go to bed so that you're asleep in darkness for at least seven of the hours that you're asleep, if not eight. And that would probably be ideal. Yeah, and it makes sense. And a lot of us do experience that. Like if we do go to bed later and we still have the same amount of sleep, we don't feel as good. And it does totally make sense with the light. I mean, we should be kind of following that circadian rhythm. And that's how, you know, we have energy in the morning, we wake up, bright light activates cortisol, darkness activates melatonin. So it does make sense that we just follow that natural rhythm. But mm -hmm. since obviously we have technology, we have the light bulb that was invented, we've kind of found an artificial circadian rhythm, I guess, or we've kind of hacked that, but that obviously doesn't help our sleep. Yeah, we really haven't hacked is the, is the problem. Like, you know, it's funny. Um, you heard about blue light mm -hmm. keeping us awake, right? So what color is the sun earlier in the day? It's, it's, you know, white, let's say. What color is the sun at sunset? It's orange and red, which makes you tired. So it's natural that as the sun goes down, and your eyes are looking at it, and the, the sunlight's going into your eye, and now it's more red and orange wavelengths, it makes you tired, it prepares you to sleep. Or even a campfire, what color is a campfire? Orange, yellow. Again, natural, it prepares you to sleep. It's kind of funny that it's that way. And the technology we're using is the opposite, blue screens, things like that. So if you, you can get like a free app called F.Lux, which yeah. will turn your screen reddish orange. You know, when it's sunlight, when it's sundown, that'll help prepare you to sleep. But no matter how much we think we could hack our way to this side or the other, it really is better just to follow what's natural. You know, I, I, I used to think that was woo-woo and like, oh, please. But it's very hard to override your biology. Very, very hard. Yeah, and I mean, we are starting to make those blue light blocking glasses and, you know, the, the Flux app. And I even have my phone. It's red at night. So, yeah, we definitely are trying to, like, hack the technology. But at the end of the day, I mean, we should definitely just put the technology aside, right? At nighttime, that's probably the best way to go. If you can. If not, then do everything in your power to help yourself along. Like, you know, like even in your home. I don't know if they exist, but um, if there were lights that lit up your home and you could, in the evening, change the color of them so they were more reddish and orange, that would help you too. It's not just the screen you look at. It's any light that you're exposed to. So that would, what I, what, probably what would, would be ideal is if you couldn't go to bed earlier, or you wouldn't, you know, probably in my case, is that the lights in my home would do that and all my screens would turn those colors and that would probably help me quite a bit. And so what would you say optimal sleep looks like? Like, what does that really mean? 
Well, and we all remember it. It means you lay down. The next thing you know it, it's, you know, time to wake up and you feel good. You don't go, oh, you know, you don't hit the alarm clock. You wake up and you're alert within, you know, a minute or two and you feel great. That's optimal sleep. That's what a lot of people used to get. And everyone's got that memory. So how do you do that seven days a week? You know, if right now you're doing it zero days a week, you've got a long way to go. If you're at two days a week that are good and the other five are bad, how do we get you to three or four or five, you know? How do we get you to that optimal, like, I wake up every day, I feel great, I feel rested, and I'm ready to go. That's ideal sleep. And so what would be your top uh, tips to actually reach that state, like things that you can do before bed or even that impact it throughout the day? Like, what would be your top sleep tips? What, well... You have to first look at it, and it really starts from the moment you wake up. So when you wake up, open the blinds and get natural light as soon as possible. If you if you can walk outside, you know, put your clothes on and stuff, but if you can walk outside and sit there for five minutes in the sun, close your eyes and just get natural light, that would, that would get you started. That gets your clock going at the right time, if that's the, the time you want to wake up. Then throughout the day, do your normal thing. You know, uh, now as night is approaching, as bedtime's approaching, probably about three or four hours, I would say the first thing I would slow down on is caffeine. Like I used to drink coffee at midnight and go to sleep and thought I was fine. But as I get older and as I pay more attention to my sleep, like I dial coffee back earlier and earlier and earlier. So I would say at least eight hours before you go to sleep, stop having caffeine. You may think it's fine. It doesn't bother you, whatever. But I'm telling you, you'll sleep better without it. Same thing with alcohol. Um, then we get to like three or four hours out with eating. You really should stop eating three or four hours before bed. You know, I've, I've gone to bed where I ate too soon and I'm like, whoa, you sleep horribly or it kills you because you're trying to digest while you're sleeping. So that's the next thing. Then once you get to, you know, a couple hours before bed or at least one hour before bed, now you got to pay attention to the lights, make sure that you're not having any sources of blue light and all that. And you're winding down, reading, relaxing, whatever it is you do. You know, you, you can't expect like, oh, I work on the computer and I shut off the computer and I go right into the bed and I fall asleep. It doesn't work like that. You need transition time, you know. So that's how I would architect your day without being a slave to this whole thing. But architect it like that. And that'll really start to improve your sleep a lot. And so what about this good night sleep project? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, that's for people that have problems. So the common problems we see are people that have neck, shoulder, or back pain, or they have apnea or snoring, and they don't sleep in the bed with their partner because they can't stand the noise, um, or they have insomnia. It takes a long time to fall asleep, or they wake up a lot during the night. So it's a custom-tailored pillow. So we have we the person will have a picture taken of them, and we use machine vision to extract like 14 measurements. How big is their head? How wide? Their shoulders? You know, and we make a custom thickness, a custom tailored pillow, whether you're a side or a back sleeper. So what this does is if you lay down and your head is properly aligned, your airway is open as much as it can be. If your head is like, like if you imagine now as you're listening, you tilt your head to the side, you know, 10, 15 degrees, and then pretend there's 10 pounds of weight on it. That's the weight of your head. And then imagine being in that position for six or eight hours. What's going to happen? Neck pain, shoulder pain, back pain. It's uncomfortable. You know, your airway gets restricted. 
So this pillow, what it does is it keeps you straight. It keeps your airway open as much as humanly possible. Um, so it'll reduce snoring. And what we've done is we've, we've I've recorded people uh, with a, an app called Snore Lab. We recorded them sleeping, just the sounds, with the pillow and without the pillow. And with the pillow, we hear their snoring is quieter and it's smoother. It's not as rough or as, as, as heavy, you know? So the pillow, what it does, again, is it's not going to cure these things. And I can't even promise that. But um, we've had people that said their apnea got a bit better. They woke up, you know, feeling better. Um, snoring was less. In a lot of cases, the partner was able to get back in the bed with the person because they didn't sound like super loud next to them. Um, neck, back, and shoulder pain gets better and goes away a lot of times because you're aligned properly. Uh, people wake up less during the night, again, because you're more comfortable and they fall asleep faster. So it's a lot of good things. It really helps. It's not, again, the solution for everything, but it really gets you uh, a good percentage of the way towards a better night's sleep. And so this was kind of one of the first things that you tried with your sleep? No, I tried probably like 15 things before that. Um, and I, it kept improving bit by bit. But this was one that really particularly affected me. Like, you know, again, I lay in the pillow. I'd have to either bunch it up to make it thick um, or it was, you know, other things would happen with it. So for some reason, just for myself, I said, all right, I want to make this custom tailored pillow. Again, I told you the story that my wife said, hey wanted to do something about it but this is just what came to my mind as a solution and so if somebody wants to get this pillow do they go on your website and submit their measurements or how does it work yeah the website is goodnightssleepproject.com and you go there you choose the pillow you check out uh we just need a picture we need two pictures you know you facing the camera from about seven feet away and then a profile view and then the ai extracts all the measurements we make the pillow and ship it to you so that's all you have to do. It's very easy. Well, yeah, I haven't heard of this before. So it's definitely something that you can add to your sleep routine to really help with sleep because uh, it is definitely an epidemic. It's just pretty much every person I talk to, they are complaining of some issue with sleep. So it's definitely mm -hmm. something. And even the the mattress, the pillow, like we don't think about it, uh, but it does have a huge effect on us. Yeah. I mean, if you, you know, think about if you've traveled and you've stayed over someone's house, you know, hotel, Airbnb, friend's house, whatever, if the bed and the pillow is not comfortable, you're like, damn, this is going to suck. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. yeah. you have a bad night's sleep. So while you're home at the very least, you know, we do have travel pillows and stuff, but at, at least while you're home, make a, a comfortable environment for you to sleep in. It's your home. You know, you want to feel good. Yeah. And like you said, we spend like a third of our life there so it should be comfortable yeah yep and so you said that we can find you at goodnightsleepproject.com where else are you hanging out um that's really the place to go you know we got we got social media and all that stuff and you know, we put out youtube videos and but really that's the best place to go i don't, I don't want to give people like a hundred places just go there and it'll explain everything and if you want the pillow that's the best place to get it Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Richard, for your time and for talking to us about sleep. Really important topic. So I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. I hope you loved it. I hope this was valuable to you. And with any episode, if you are enjoying this, if you find value in this, if it helps you or anybody else, I always appreciate a rating and review on iTunes. It takes 30 seconds. If you don't know how to do it, Google it. It's super easy and it really does help me reach more people and spread my message. So I really do appreciate it. 
can send me a screenshot of anything that you find interesting. If you want to share the episode, you want to get chatting on Instagram. I love chatting with you guys on there. So head on over. The link is in the show notes. And thank you so much for supporting me on this podcast, on this journey. I really do appreciate each and every one of you. So thank you so much.